The COVID-19 crisis, as we know, sadly, largely exists within our long-term care homes. With How about this? This is just staggering. 82% of Canada's overall deaths coming from long-term care. However, the for-profit versus public homes numbers are far from even. The Toronto Star has released an analysis they did of public data on long-term care homes, which found that a resident in a for-profit home is about four times more likely to catch COVID-19 and four times more likely to die than a resident in a publicly run home. Let's welcome in Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. She joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Marissa, good afternoon and welcome back to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Okay, a lot of people shocked by those numbers that I just listed off. As somebody who's involved in the industry, are these numbers, are they shocking to you? No. Uh, in many ways, it isn't a surprise. Uh, there have been numerous studies around the world comparing for-profit to not-for-profit performance in long-term care homes. And generally, the trend is that for-profit tend to perform poorer, not just during pandemics, but even pre-COVID. Um, and you can see why this might be the case because of increased pressure to turn a profit. Uh, one of the biggest budget line items is staffing, of course, and in the absence of clear ratios or number of hours per resident as, you know, legislated, this is often the first thing that gets cut. Food budgets also are deplorable. So, you know, what we've seen from a number of studies is for-profit homes tend to have, you know, fewer staff, higher uh, transfers to hospital, higher mortality rates, more bed ulcers. So, as I said, you know, in many ways, this isn't all too surprising. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, we do know that there are examples, both good and bad, uh, in long-term care where the ownership is, you know, privately funded as well as publicly funded. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that private for-profit operators do have to meet the same standard as those facilities that don't need to return a profit. So, um, I think, obviously, while the type of ownership model is a challenge in for-profit settings, maybe a more fundamental change is that the long-term care system is underfunded generally, and that really needs to be examined here. Okay, but when it comes to the pandemic, why would somebody be four times more likely to die in a privately run home? I mean, what is, do you think, the biggest contributing factor to that? Probably staffing. Um, we do know that in long-term care, I mean, and, you know, th there could be a number of different factors. But one of the biggest ones, as I mentioned earlier, is staffing. For-profit homes tend to have less staff. Um, and that's because it's the biggest budget line item and it's the first thing that they cut. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest contributors to it. We do know that the challenges in accessing PPE and, and ensuring testing is done and, and the return on those tests, you know, those, those are challenges that existed across, across the board. So uh, if, I had to, if I had to guess, it would likely boil down to staffing is probably the biggest issue there. Yeah, because PPE would be a budget line item that uh, a lot of privately run facilities hadn't budgeted for and maybe were a little hesitant to, to jump into at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe when it was needed the most. You're probably right. And then also, of course, accessing it, securing it. And there were challenges at the provincial level as well as the federal level and trying to you know, ensure that we had adequate supplies in our, in our healthcare facilities as well. So that's probably a bigger one. But I, but as I said, probably boils down to staffing as being one of the biggest challenges. But we do know that there were a number of challenges why the spread was so um, devastating in, in care homes, staff being one of them, but also workers working in multiple facilities. 
So the province's decision to not limit care workers to one facility too late, you know, that that contributed to a big problem in the homes. Is is that more prevalent, Marissa, sorry, in the private uh, long-term care facilities, these workers uh, going from one home to another? It's likely more prevalent because, as I said, um, you know, what we what we know is that these homes are under tremendous pressure to turn a profit, and so they're probably less likely to have more full-time staff. Um, that's been a huge part of our advocacy is the need to have more full-time staff in order to improve continuing of care. And also during a pandemic, it makes a whole lot of sense because you don't have people going in and out of these homes. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, he's commented on this, and he's called for the end of privately run long-term care. In the end, is that the solution, do you think? You know, as I said, I actually think the solution boils down to funding. Another thing that, you know, Jagmeet Singh called for is that long-term care be something, you know, that is uh, covered by the Canada Health Act. Um, I think that that's a big part of the solution as well, deeming long-term care facilities as, as, as hospitals under the Canada Health Act. Because when you look at, you know, the characteristics of patients in these facilities, that is really what these facilities are operating as, as, as basically hospitals. And then, you know, part of that, they become part of the envelope of federal financial transfers under the Canada Health Act, and they can be held to higher standards that way. Um, so I think, as I said in the beginning, a huge a fundamental problem is underfunding in this in this system, underfunding of staff, underfunding of care, underfunding of food, making sure that there is enough funding to be performing inspections in these homes regularly. Um, that was the one I was about to mention. Also, underfunding of regulators, that we do not have enough inspectors right. going into these homes and uh, making sure that they're following and abiding by the rules. That's absolutely right. We knew in Ontario, for example, last year only nine random inspections were performed and that the government had actually scaled back on its on its um, on its funding to this area as if it wasn't a priority. Um, now I'm sure that they deeply regret that decision because we know that these inspections are important, uh, not just to point out inadequacies and deficiencies in the system, but also to work with the homes to make them better, to make them better for our most vulnerable members of society. So they're critically important. It was something that was pointed out in the wet law for inquiry. Um, and it's devastating that the government cut back the budget for 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 inspections this year. I'm glad you mentioned the wet law for inquiry because I think... It seemed when that happened, there was a real appetite to, for change. And obviously, we're seeing that that didn't happen or certainly didn't happen or, or go far enough. Do you have a feeling that post-pandemic, once we get through this, that uh, we are going to see some s- substantive and some real change when it comes to long-term care facilities and how we're treating our seniors and our elderly in this province? I hope so. I, you know, the fear is, of course, that we revert back to the status quo, Um but you know, if, if COVID has revealed anything, it's 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 three things. One, you know, we warehouse frail and often very ill seniors in unsafe situations. Two, we warehouse them in these situations which are underfunded, understaffed, and often with little or no certified training. And three, we expect individuals and their families to pay a significant part of the privilege, and I say that in air quotes, to be in these facilities. Um, it's just so unconscionable that of 49,000 deaths in Canada from COVID-19 so far, 82%, as you mentioned in your intro, were from a population that we are duty-bound to protect and whom we failed. So I do hope that this does lead to lasting change because, you know, it's just consistent with the pervasive ageism we continue to see in our society and what really needs to be stomped out.
All right, Marissa, I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll have you back on as you're absolutely right. We have to keep talking about this and we have to make sure that uh, change happens. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Take care. You as well. There goes Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at the Canadian Association of Retired Persons.